0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palacio, your host here on Heritage Radio Network, and today's show is being sponsored by Hearst Ranch. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, go to hearstranch.com. Well, today, you have to indulge me. <laughs> today, today we're, our topic is one that I just, I, I, it couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. I went out to South Bend, Indiana um, to visit relatives and to go to my husband's alma mater, Notre Dame. And, of course, we had to go to the first football game. Um, I did not. I partook in the festivities ahead of time, um, as many people do tailgating. Um, then he went on to the game. And I was just astounded by the growth of this social activity and food activity and wondered, wow, when and how did this all start? So a little digging around and um, I was able to scrape up some history on it. And um, you know, piecing things together, it's a little sketchy, um, but I did find some good information in a book uh, by Stephen Lynn called The Ultimate Tailgator's Handbook. And um, according to most historians, they feel that uh, tailgating began really. The first intercollegiate football game, big surprise, right? And that was between Rutgers and Princeton in 1869. I mean, football was actually, uh, football was being played in the 1820s or forms of it, but not inter, um, not an intercollegiate. So, and then there are some, some people who think that maybe it had precursors um In particular, 1861, there was the Battle of Bull Run, and they say that enthusiastic Union supporters from Washington, D.C. area arrived with baskets of food and and shouts of, go get Big Blue. (laughs) Uh, They watched the opening battle of the American Civil War. Well, I don't know if this was actually the case, but um, historians do agree that it was a case of the right idea at the wrong time. I mean, war is not a spectator sport. Still, there was that socializing tradition and, and that, that tension and excitement that just gets people all all whipped up, and um, food becomes part of it. Um, so then we get on to the football the football end of it, and, you know, need I say more, you know the rivalries. But then there was another historical uh, event that I think we owe a lot to, and, and that has been documented. And that is the invention of the first chuck wagon. And that was a rolling chow hall um, for cowboys, really. And it was an old U.S. Army Studebaker wagon that um, the first chuck wagon was built into. Not on a whole... Uh, not a whole lot different than what a lot of these tailgating wagons are today. Of course, then we had the advent of station wagons, and station wagons had the back tailgate that came down. There, we got our name tailgating from the station wagons. Also, gave them a name and a platform—literally a platform for all this food. So, all the coolers and the and then the portable grills, uh, gas grills came into uh, into play. It just the the event grew and grew. Uh, to the point where there are stores that sell tailgating equipment. Uh, You know, a a grill and cooler tailgate set for about $3,000 has been documented for sale, I think, at Hammacher Schlemmer. And, of course, then there's the parking pass that you have to pay for and the tickets of the game. Although, although, today there are satellite hookups for generator and, and generators to run electricity, to run these these big flat screen televisions, and people sit back, tailgate, eat and drink. They set up two days in advance for some of these events. And a survey found that only 30% of tailgaters set foot in a stadium. Or never, no, I'm sorry, never set foot in a stadium. I'm sorry, wrong way around. 30% never set foot in the stadium. They're just having too much fun partying. But, uh, you know, tailgating grew from from football to car races to rock concerts in fact nascar now reads and leads the nation in the numbers of tailgaters and the the recipes the food is more elaborate than one can imagine people plug in ovens and grills and crock pots as serving trays there are table linens and candles and i mean cakes in the shapes of race cars and footballs it's it's just it's astounding the amount of food and, need I say, the drink. And um, in fact, the Southern Heritage Classic at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis that just took place, they have adapted the parking lot there, the, the actual tailgating parking lot. They've turned it into a full fledged tailgating parking lot. And they have electrical hookups at every parking place for people that can plug in all their apparatus. Uh, it's just, and there are tailgating magazines and tailgating clubs it is just I mean it's fun who who doesn't love a party right I counted when I was trying to do some research on on tailgating recipes I I counted over 39 cookbooks about tailgating and that doesn't count the little community cookbooks or the um, the cookbooks put out by specific schools and 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 clubs you know the little local ones like um, Michigan University's uh, tailgating cookbook or um, uh, the NFL cookbooks. Well, actually, NFL announcer John Madden wrote his own cookbook for tailgating. And Mario Batali wrote a cookbook for tailgating. But we also have with us here today um, another food writer, and journalist, and and cookbook author who wrote a uh, couple of cookbooks that could be considered tailgating, and one that was actually the Tailgaters cookbook. Dave Joachim. Did I say that right? Joachim. Dave Joachim. I'm sorry. Dave, are you there? Yes,
2: I'm <laughs> here.
1: <laughs> um, At that lengthy, that lengthy history and intro. Dave, you have written a lot of different cookbooks, and, and you're, I think what kind of put you on the map with the whole tailgating and grilling thing was uh, a man and a can and a plan, right?
2: Right, and I wrote a man, a can, a grill, which is another good tailgating book. I've written a few books that are focused on grilling, which I think is the core of tailgating, honestly. Yeah,
1: I, I think you're right, yeah.
2: Um, and that book just allows it to be done easily, because that's the difficult part of tailgating. You think, well, I have to not only cook this food, but I have to get it all there, I have to bring the equipment, I have to do the cleanup. And uh, that book just makes it a little easier, because uh, you're just grabbing a couple cans of this, and often the recipes start with a can of beer and do something with it. Uh, so it just makes the whole Tailgating experience a little more fun. Well, which what, is what it's supposed
0: to be.
1: Absolutely, and it is fun. Oh, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, I just I love going and and walking around and looking at all of the astounding spreads that that are out there. I mean, well, what I, what got you to write the tailgate the actual tailgaters
2: cookbook? Well, the tailgaters cookbook uh, just grew out of my love of grilling and obviously tailgating. Just going to games, and I think. Outside of, of grilling food in a parking lot, the real attraction to tailgating is where else, in particularly in America. This is a very American phenomenon. Uh, that's what I was going
1: to say. If we, we search for American cuisine, this is it. This is all American cuisine.
2: Exactly. And where else in America can you get together with, in some cases, 100,000 people all there for the same purpose, It's like, I mean, you can't do this anymore. Uh, The community centers and the town squares, these sorts of things are disappearing, so it's much more difficult to get together with large groups of people. And if you can imagine your backyard barbecue just expanding to the nth degree.
1: Unbelievable, yes. That's
2: the feeling you get, like you say, when you walk through the different tailgates and see the amazing spreads that people have. And one of the best things to do is bring a little extra of whatever you're making. (laughs) Let's say you have some spiced nuts or something. I have a recipe in the tailgaters' cookbook for chipotle pecans. Very mm. simple to make. You just toss some pecans with a little bit of chipotle and some sugar, and, and it caramelizes. Anyway, it's a great little snack. You can carry this throughout your tour of the the tailgates near you. And when you offer food to other people, they invariably invite you into their party. You meet someone you'd never met before. You strike up a conversation. You find these these uh, similarities between you and that's the core of tailgating, you're right. this a yes. communal experience it's a wonderful
1: um, social tradition it really it really is it's great, and you're so right I've never walked by uh someone else's tailgate party or the back of their truck, their tailgate, and not been offered something if, right. you know a beer or or you know some chips or um, cookies or i mean there's always something to eat, but uh, the grilling well, it was you know chili. And hot dogs, of course, you know, in, in the 1800s, we were starting out with picnic baskets of, you know, whatever foods they would make. But now, boy, you can have everything warmed up and, and, or, keep, or kept cold or, you know, it, it, nothing, the, the sky's the limit, really.
2: It really is. There's no limit to what you can do. I mean, I've been at uh, New York Giants game where mobile pizza ovens are trucked in. <laughs> I've been at uh, Eagles games in Philadelphia with ice blocks of fish that are freshly sliced, uh, fresh salmon, sashimi, sliced from a a huge ice block. It's just incredible, the expense (laughs) uh, that people will go to, first of all. But uh, just the size, too, the size of the parties that that people put on is astounding and so fun to be a part of. That's right. It's terrific. Uh, Well,
1: they... I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say one of the uh, real fun things I did when I, I went to a Gators game. I, I go see the Florida Gators at least once a year, and they, by the way, have the biggest tailgate billed as the world's largest cocktail party <laughs> at the annual uh, Florida Georgia game in Jacksonville, and that that has gets about a hundred thousand people. But um, I was going down for a different Gators game, and I brought forty pounds of pork shoulder in my carry on bag in the plane. <laughs> And you can imagine the security. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Right. It didn't break any rules. Uh, you know, it wasn't sharp. It wasn't flammable. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I brought all of this pork shoulder down to the tailgate. And just telling that story at the tailgate with, uh, with everyone there enjoying the pulled pork barbecue sandwiches made it so fun.
1: Uh, it's, it's amazing. And I um, when you said the expense and the and the elaborateness, some of the stage, I was reading about this um, well, of course, there are traditions south and north, too. You know, as much as the rivalry of the sports teams, there are the, the rivalry of um, the tailgate uh, dishes. And I was reading about the Southern Heritage Classic in, mm-hmm. in Memphis. And I, I was astounded. They opened the gates for setup at 8 a.m. on Thursday the game was not until Saturday at about
2: 6 p.m.
1: I mean, this uh, th- these people were serious. They, were, they had serious setup, and they were doing some serious partying, I would imagine, too.
2: Yeah, well, at NASCAR, it goes even further back. Uh, they'll set up almost a week in advance, wow. and many people will come in an RV, and essentially, it's a vacation. Yeah. They make a vacation out of the entire week, getting to know everybody, uh, walking around the tailgate, uh, host, hosting parties, uh, celebrating their favorite drivers. It, it's just, it, it's something you can't get anywhere else. I mean, <laughs> these
1: are diehard fans, you think of it. I mean, and I was really, I was really surprised to uh, to learn that NASCAR it leads the nation in the number of tailgaters. I mean, yeah. the, and their club, the tailgating clubs that exist, it's
2: its just, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's a associate. fun, what a
1: fun thing, you know. And uh,
2: the American Tailgate Association is trying to track just how many tailgaters there are. Um, and their their estimates are are that there are about twenty three million annual tailgaters, including all sports n f l college nascar um, it goes up it's it just it's unbelievable how big it is, but you know it shows that people are yearning for this type of activity it's, yeah it's i mean it's certainly
1: to, it's certainly not something that anyone wants to squelch because it is i've there's never been to mind i mean my experience—I'm sure there have been—but everyone's always there just for a good time. There, you know, there's no, there are no problems, there are no bad breakouts. You know, you know, it's just it, they're just there to celebrate their team, celebrate the season. I mean, autumn. I mean, what a great. Usually, it, it's in. Well, of course, NASCAR spans all seasons. Yeah, but there, it's there for a celebration, and it's all about food. Uh, food and drink. you
2: know, It is. is, and even though some of the, the spreads can get really big and uh, people get as competitive uh, with tailgating as they do with sports, um, you can have an amazing tailgate without all of that, uh, the, the bigness of it. You sure. can keep it simple, and I try to tell people to just... Do what you know because you don't want something to fail it's like when you're hosting a dinner party you don't ever make a recipe you haven't made before um, It's like that with tailgating plan ahead make as much food ahead as you can keep the menu simple um, and and keep it fun mm. and there are lots of uh, the tailgators cookbook has uh, recipes in it that are that are designed to do that they're, they're not too elaborate. One, one of my favorites ones is the uh, beer and coffee steaks Mm-hmm. Everyone loves it. Beer and coffee. I mean, you want to marinate
1: so do you marinate the the steaks in the, the beer and the coffee? What do you, what how yeah, what do you do it? Yeah, so
2: uh, so the recipe is it's pretty simple. Um, the night before you're going to go to your tailgate, you drop some strip steaks or ribeyes or whatever you like into a Ziploc bag with some dark beer, like a Negro Modelo or a dark porter or something like that, a little Worcestershire sauce, some Tabasco, and then you let that marinate overnight and then the next morning you put on a rub of ground coffee, just ground, regular ground coffee, a little bit of, of chili powder. I, I like to use ancho chili powder, cumin, sugar, a little cayenne, salt, and pepper. And you put that rub on the steaks and throw, throw it back into a clean Ziploc bag, put it in your cooler, and then when you get there, you just grill them. A little pat of butter on the top maybe to finish it off.
1: Nice and neat. And
2: bonnet. and it's, it's yeah. just easy. I mean, people love that it tastes is, is very robust. Um, so that's always a hit at tailgates, and uh, you know there are lots of other recipes. In you, you know, are-
1: I mean, your book has been called uh, the go-to guide for tailgaters, which I think is, is a, a nice honor to have. <laughs> that <laughs> be, is with checklists and things. But and if you can stick around, we have to take a short break. Can you stick around and join us for in in another couple minutes and talk about some of these some of these recipes? You have a couple of other really great recipes in here. Uh, I can, like yeah. All right, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back with David Jockham. We're back here on A Taste of the Past talking with Dave Jockham And and we have him on the phone because, actually, Dave, you're teaching at the Green Bar- at the uh, Food Writers Symposium, the Professional Food Writers Symposium yes, at the Greenbrier, right?
2: Yes, I uh, reside in Pennsylvania, but I'm currently in West Virginia right now. Uh, with food writers discussing how to uh, what we do and how to do it better.
1: Anyone writing about tailgating? Well, this is <laughs> this is a, a fun topic to write about, certainly, and that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about tailgating, and uh, um, one th- I wanted to ask you first of all: do you, Is there any any one experience that stands out to you in, in terms of the tailgating that you've seen that was the most outlandish spread or or most unusual? set up anything in particular that caught your attention you remember
2: well the the uh the salmon that i mentioned i think was the most unusual because like i said the core of tailgating is grilling um it it really does stem back to uh gathering around the fire with people and you can go back as as far back as you want to go with that Mm -hmm. but that is what anchors the the soul of tailgating, and this was so unusual because it was doing the same thing, but it, there was no heat. It, it wasn't cooking anything. This was sashimi. It was raw fish.
1: So they were just big blocks of ice with the raw
0: raw fish right. on them. Wow! Um,
2: but it, it made the same impression. It drew people together in the same way that a that a, say a grill fire would. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that left the biggest impression on me because it had the same effect, um, but you know it was. It was fish, and it was it was not it was unusual for a tailgate. You typically you've got you know you've got beef and pork and and these like robust manly flavors, and this was like a, <laughs> a light, delicate fish, and and it still connected with everyone at the tailgate, which was just it was fun to watch that. So, yeah. well, I it's think that, it's also
1: fun to see some some real American classics um, reemerge, like deviled eggs. Somehow, deviled eggs always reemerge at a tailgate party.
2: You know? They are making a comeback. It's yeah. true. I'll, Despite the egg scare, they're That's still, right. they're still making right. a comeback.
1: <laughs> oh, you have some, well, you have a couple of interesting things in the book, too, that um, some, of course, are, na- well, take their roots in certain teams. Um, what comes to mind right away, of course, is Buckeye candy for all the Ohio State University Buckeye fans. What What's this Buckeye candy? Uh,
2: Buckeye candy is kind of like a Reese's pun- uh, peanut butter cup but it's done the way that they want, how they want to do it in Ohio to honor their team. Um, I first learned about this uh, recipe from Becky Barker. She's someone who uh, tailgates at OSU. And she shared her recipe with me, and it's just, it looks like a buckeye. Mm. So the it's got this, it looks like a, a deer's eye. that That's what it looks like. Um, and it's chocolate wrapped around a core of, sugary creamy peanut butter and it's absolutely delicious it keeps oh, well what could be bad about that yeah <laughs> it's a single serving you know have as many as you like it's easy to carry around and share with people to tailgate uh, and it also honors the team so it's yeah. very grounded in in that tailgating tradition of that team mm. so
1: Everyone, I suppose, changes the name of their barbecue. If, if, they, if they brought Texas barbecue sauce with them, they, and they're not from Texas or not rooting for Texas, they probably changed the name of their barbecue sauce. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned something, and I don't know if you recall. I, th- I think it was from your book, and it was a blender blaster do you, a blender
2: blaster that does not ring a bell.
1: Okay, maybe I read that in someone else someone else's book as I was going. Something this was about the
2: plug-in blender. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That yeah. was oh, run by uh,
1: a gas generate or
2: gas powered. It's a gas powered blender. Yes, yes. That is that is true. It's a <laughs> I mean, this, is, in, this is
1: innovative, innovative, creative um, invention and thinking for cooking on the go. You know. <laughs>
2: right. I mean, you know that the drinks are a big part of tailgating. Yes, and it's expanded expanded way beyond beer to include wine. Also, mm-hmm. and the single-serving plastic bottles of wine have become very popular, in yeah. part because of tailgating. Um, but the the blender is a way that people are taking their drinks to to different places, so they can honor the the traditions of the food. So, for instance, down in the in Miami, um, you might have a mojito,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and but that's not blended. But you might have a, a mojito or another cocktail that's of that region. Um, so. I think a lot of people are using these uh, blenders so they can really eat the food of the area. I mean, the local and seasonal movement is applying to tailgating as well, right? And it's something that has been a part of tailgating for a long time, with, with especially with barbecue traditions, where the barbecue is very different in Texas than it is in Kentucky, and uh, so it's 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 yeah. amazing to to watch the. To watch it evolve, Um, for instance, there is now a Ford F-150 tailgate truck that has a built-in grill, two kegs, a DVD, stereo, sink, and one of those blenders
1: that that's got to be not cheap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. No, not no. at all.
1: I mean the su now you know SUV the onset of SUVs took up first it was in the you know sixties, 70s it was station wagons and then in the 90s SUVs and now we've got we've got full on decked out truck wagons you're telling me, right?
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Interesting. All to make it easier for you to tailgate yeah. and more fun because again carting all the equipment around is one of the problems.
1: Well, I think it, I was in imp- impressed when i saw the first time i ever saw somebody pull out not just folding chairs but two full-on armchairs around their flat-screen TV. And, of course, the generator was making so much noise, the hum of the generator to run all this stuff, that, you know, you, you were hard-pressed to, to hear what was going on on the big screen. But you you knew these people were obviously not going to the game. They were they were sitting right there, and they weren't going to go inside the stadium at all.
2: Yeah, but, <laughs> that's an interesting t- statistic you brought up about the 30% not, 30% going, not going into right. the stadium. And, and it's very plain to see many people go without tickets and they hope to get some. Right. And many people go not even wanting to get tickets. They're just there for the tailgating experience. And it's instead of cheering for the team in their living room, they're going to cheer for the team with even more people in the parking lot. That's
1: right. And for for those listeners who maybe never had the opportunity to go to a big lot tailgating party. I mean there these parking lots are you have the tickets and the parking passes for years and they stay in the family. I mean these are things you don't give up <laughs> many of them. And people have designated spots and they have flags that identify where they're gonna be. And so every year you know where to go and find Sally and Joe because they're always in, you know, parking lot number D with aisle thirteen with the, you know, the big green flag above it or something. You know, these are this is this is goes way beyond tradition. This becomes a neighborhood. And as you're saying, it's a tradition, it's neighborly, it's you know, it's social. And um and there is I, I think as much as the um the game, the tradition of the competitiveness of the game, there is a lot of competition in the food. And I've seen people walking around eyeing other people's spreads and then coming back and looking at their own and saying, hmm, what will I do next year? <laughs> There's a lot of competition in that, don't you think?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. That goes along with the rooting for your team. Uh, often people will bring that into the food by cooking the competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, so if, let's say, you, uh, your team's playing the Buffalo Bills, You'll put on your menu some buffalo burgers, <laughs> and then <laughs> lord it cute. over the Bills fans. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to grill you on the field, just like we're grilling you right now, the, <laughs> over the fire. Uh, and uh. so people do that, and it's fun, it, and um, it also shows your team spirit, which is a big part of it.
1: Uh, up in Vermont, they have um, polo matches um, in Manchester, Vermont, and they the polo matches. There's a tremendous. That's a more formal tailgating that goes on, I guess you would mm-hmm. say there. And they actually have formal judges who judge the best dishes of the, the tailgating. Now, that that might getting, be getting a little far because it really is all in good spirit, and it's all supposed to be about fun and, and good food. And and back to your book and your recipes, um, as I say, there were so many good ones that um, that caught my eye. And. Um, one of them in particular was a chocolate whiskey pudding, which and uh, not to oh, and not to forget champion championship cookies. That was
2: <laughs> yes, those are chocolate chip cookies, but they're taken to the nth degree. There's chocolate, chocolate, and more chocolate. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites in the book is a is a grilled pizza because it's so um, surprising to people how good pizza can be when it's grilled, mm-hmm. and again, I, I think the grill is really the core, and I try to have at least one grilled item in every tailgate menu, uh, but a maximum of two. You don't want to have too much because typically, it, unless you have a massive grill, you just don't have the space for everything.
1: That's right.
2: But the pizza is unusual and easy to do because you can – you. You can even do this with store-bought dough. You just pat out the dough to a round that's easy to handle, let's say uh, 10 inches uh, diameter. About 10 inches is good. Uh, and then you grill the dough by itself on the p- on the grill, um, and you grill one side and then flip it over, and you put the toppings on that side.
1: They just melt right away on that hot side, right? Right. So the, the
2: process is a little different, mm-hmm. and it's surprising to your guests. It's an easy-pick-up food. Uh, there are limitless variations on how you can flavor it. And the, I have a pesto gorgonzola one in the book, which is really flavorful because it has fresh tomatoes, pesto for the sauce on the bottom, and then just a crumble of gorgonzola cheese. And it's it's, it's a, a bold flavor. Um, it's unusual for people. And, you know, just adds to your enjoyment of, of the, the pregame festivities. And it really is all about that. It's it about is. about supporting yeah. the team. That's the history of it.
1: Yeah, it is. It's in... in what a great way to, to do it with some really truly great food. Well, um, I thank you I, anyone who needs a go-to guide for tailgating. This I think the Tailgaters Cookbook it's it's still in print, is it not? It's
2: Yes, it's, it's Not in that print. old, yeah,
1: right. And you have a couple of new books at well and the newest book is the Food Substitutions Bible, is that yes, the newest that's one?
2: that's right. Um, this just came out. It's the second edition of a book that won an ICP award. It's a culinary organization. Um, so I expanded the book to have 1,500 more substitutions. So now it has 6,500 substitutions, all organized from A to Z, so you can find whatever you're looking for really easily. So easy. it's
1: really like a dictionary or encyclopedia. I'm going to a recipe, and, gee, I don't have any... I don't know let's say uh, heavy cream. so right. what could I do to substitute and I look up heavy cream?
2: Yeah, Great. I mean if you I mean it, or, or say cilantro or something mm-hmm. like that that you don't mm-hmm. like and right. you want to replace it, then you will find substitutions for that. Um, and just to mention the other grilling books, I'm, I'm working on another grill book that will be out this spring. Uh, which is perfect for tailgating, and it's all about grilling things that are unusual, that are a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, people who like to push their tailgates to the next level and impress their guests, uh, we have uh, grilled beef cheeks, we have other grilled organs and um, things like that. That's not the entirety of the book, but... That's how I think a tailgater would best use that one.
1: Well, that's something they can look forward to. And Dave Jockam, Dave, you have a website as well. They can watch it on, they can look for that book on your website, right?
2: Yes. And it's... The the website is dot com. Okay.
1: And so we can go see that, and we'll post that up on our our site here as well. So listeners can go to that site and check out when that new book comes out and um, gain access to the other books that you've written. Well, I thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule there teaching the food writers at the Food Writers Conference, and um, hope that we'll have an opportunity to speak with you again when your new book comes out.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Linda.
1: Thank you. You've been listening to A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palaccio. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Hearst Ranch, and of course our producer, Jack Inslee and our engineer, Nat Wiener. And please join us again on A Taste of the Past.